Men, if you call every man your home for getting in, getting healthy, getting strong, and getting going, then we have a special ask for you. We need men like you to stand in the gap with us as we take back territory for God's kingdom with our new giving campaign. We're calling it the 12 for 12 giving campaign. And all it takes is $12 a month for 12 months. Now your commitment and donation will help us reach our 20 city goal with our Dangerous Good Conference in 2021. And we can't do this without your support. Now, if you haven't noticed, every man is on the move and we've been able to build an army of strong men that are choosing Jesus over the world. You know why? That's because of people like you that help our ministry thrive, especially in these difficult times. So will you join us and commit to donating $12 for 12 months? Every dollar equals change, not only in the men, but also change for the women, children, and communities connected to these men. Thank you in advance for your support and God bless. Welcome to the men's global live stream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and the other in Galatians 2. 2 Corinthians 5, Galatians 2. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we're in a series called The Inner Man. And what we're saying is really simple, that every man watching today, every man that you see today as you go through your day, every man you know is hardwired by God to secure significance, worth, acceptance, all right? Every man that I know wants to be seen. He wants to be known. He wants to be appreciated. God has wired us to sense and experience that as men. Now, that quest for significance and worth and acceptance, that search that every man is on, that can be expressed in healthy ways or unhealthy ways to get the need met, uh, that quest, that search is at the center of spiritual warfare because identity and the energy that goes with adopting an identity that we perceive gives us that significance and worth, all right, that can be from God or that can be from the devil. You see, you can discover in this journey for significance on the inside, God's truest truths about you, about his plan. Uh, you can align with your creator, you can align with God, and it can bring life to you. Or if the other forces out there are winning this journey that you're on, you can be duped by the devil's dysfunctional and cultural lies. and when you get duped into chasing significance in worth out in culture, you are tracking with the devil's dysfunctional plan. And that always leads not to closeness with God, but actually distance from God. And it doesn't lead to life. It leads to death. It leads to spiritual death. It leads to relational death. It could lead sometimes, many times, to physical death because as Jesus called him, he's a liar and the father of lies and a murderer. So his lies about your significance and worth and his synthetic path to significance will lead to death. God's path involves your perception about yourself coming from knowing that you're already fully loved, fully accepted, and fully identified with him in Christ. The devil's path involves your self-perception, all right, coming from performing. So there's a, there's a dichotomy there. I already know I'm loved by God, the most important thing. I'm accepted by God, and I'm fully identified with his love through Christ, all right, and that's permanent, all right, but then the devil's path, which comes from chasing love, chasing significance, chasing worth, and the summit never happens. You think you're gonna get there, then it moves. You think you're gonna get there, and it moves. And then what happens there is that I gotta keep performing, all right? Now, God's path produces a deep maturity, all right? Because you're at peace, you have rest, you can learn. 
The devil's path out there in culture, when it comes to significance and worth, produces immaturity. Why? Because that path gets you focused on yourself. You're restless, you're focused on yourself, you're chasing worth and significance, which means that you're naturally self-absorbed. And here is the inner consequence of these two different paths that I've just laid out, right? One path leads to permanent peace, right? You know what the other path leads to? Permanent anxiety and restlessness. Why? Because significance and worth is elusive. So there's the context for this series. And so we're really diving in to how your inner man works. We're getting God's mind on how your inner man works, how your inner man is impacted, how your inner man is motivated. And that's what we're gonna do at the top here. Uh, if you have your notes, you're gonna wanna pull those out right now. And if you don't have them, just know that you can download them. There's a download button right there on the Everyman site. Uh, under this session. And then what we do is we get God's mind, sort of how does God think about uh, our inner person and what impacts us and what motivates us? And then we, we kind of come up with a core theme and then we'll dive deeper uh, into sort of the inner journey with Christ. So we're gonna start today in 2 Corinthians chapter five. I told you to hold a spot there. And we're gonna look just sort of in a general way of what is the game changer? for you on the inside? What has the power to take over all your energy, take over um, all of your purpose, lead to a mature uh, expression of masculinity starting from the inside? So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, and we'll see what the Bible says. It says this, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Just as a general headline before we deeply unpack it, Here's what you need to know about Christ's sacrifice. The Bible says that Christ's sacrifice masters our motivation from the inside out for all that we do. The Bible says Christ's love, listen, controls us. How? From the inside out. Now, Jesus uh, expressed this in a couple of different places. Right on your notes in John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. So you have shepherd and sheep. You have a close connection between shepherd and sheep. Christ's sacrifice bonds us to Christ the Savior. Christ the shepherd, Christ's sacrifice. Christ's sacrifice bonds us to Christ the Savior. So it's just this picture of internal relational closeness, okay? Um, talks about Christ's sacrifice and its bonding power and takeover power on the inside of a man. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the Apostle Paul just talking about the effect of Christ's sacrifice upon him and how he now lives his life. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion, and I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. You see how in the life of God's man, Christ's sacrifice is the engine. It is the engine of motivation. It is the engine of faith. Jesus put it into pictures and parables. The, the apostles talked about it. Paul is talking about how Christ's sacrifice 
has just totally taken over his inner man so that he's not performing for men because of Christ's sacrifice. He's living out his faith in the Son of God who loved him and gave himself for him. Paul's love and loyalty tracks with the man who expressed love for him and loyalty to him uh, through sacrifice. So let's just unpack three truths from what we just read from those three scriptures. From 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, which talks about Christ dying for us so that we won't live for ourselves anymore. Write this down. Sacrifice shocks us internally. You know, I remember um, when I was dating my wife in college, uh, we met together. Uh, She shared with me how she had been in Westwood, which is next to the campus of UCLA, in a clothing store. She saw this jacket, but it was way too expensive, and, um, and she couldn't buy it, and and so we left lunch and went to class. Well, I told her I was going to class, but I went down to that store and I bought her that expensive jacket with money I didn't have, and it was on her bed when she came back from class. And I remember her discovering that, and it shocked her. A, that I was listening, but B, that I would sacrifice my own time and resources and energy. And you know what she said? She said, you would do that for me? That's what Christ's sacrifice spawns inside of us. When we look at it and when we recognize it and we take the time to see what he did, it begs the question, you would do that for me. So sacrifice shocks us internally. Second, sacrifice convinces us emotionally. So if there was ever a doubt in Chrissy's mind about kind of where my commitment was headed, her thoughts about me, um, what I did on that day, while small and just kind of a a personal action, um, it began to raise her own uh, sense. And she began to get more convinced emotionally about me that if he's willing to do that, um, he must be serious about me. And men, isn't that what all our women want to know? But it comes through sacrifice, um, where they actually see us saying no to ourselves and yes to them. But when you think about it on the spiritual level, right, when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Hey, man, I'm you do that for me. I'm the sheep. You're the shepherd. You sacrifice yourself. You got me, okay? I'm convinced. And that's what Christ's sacrifice is intended uh, to do. Third, sacrifice wins strong commitment relationally, right? It's like glue in a relationship. Where's my love and loyalty going to go? All right, I'm sticking with Jesus, all right? Why? Because he volunteered to be tortured and crucified so that my sins could be forgiven, so that I could have a purpose for living, and I could have a home in heaven. I'm sticking with him. And that's sort of the core part of how God's man thinks and operates in the inner man. We, we had the game changed when we came in contact with this man who sacrificed himself, shocked us, it convinced us emotionally of God's commitment to us, and man, it won our relational commitment. So here's your inner man fact, write this down. Sacrifice secures my complete trust and confidence, right? If I'm convinced and I'm committed, right? That means I'm confident, right? What he did makes me trust him, all right? Now, trust and confidence in Jesus for what? Well, trust and confidence when he points us in a certain direction, when he gives us a command. Trust and confidence to make the necessary changes personally, the necessary transitions in our commitments and in our decisions and in our maturity to meet the challenge. 
trust and confidence to meet the challenges of becoming God's man, more importantly, becoming like Christ. And that's where we're really gonna go into our next deep dive. In part one, what I wanted to do is just to get you oriented to how God is evaluating you on an inward level, in that dimension, not on your outward image level or in your performance or in your activities. He's, he's evaluating your inner man, and your inner man is what we need to work on. In part two, we talked about sort of preparing to do the work on the inner man. We got to clean out our inner man. We all have spiritual blind spots, but we can get clean on the inside from those blind spots by exposing the lies we believe, right? expressing sorrow for the behaviors that those lies produced in our life, renewing our commitment to truth and, and repenting through action. And so now in part three, we're kind of coming to that place it's like, all right, I'm ready. I'm in the ready position. Where do we go now? Well, now we got to accept the inner challenge. And what inner challenge is that? It's your inner man, listen, defeating your inner boy. And I know you know what I'm talking about. There's that side of you that needs to grow up. I have one, I hope you do. Uh, and I wanna grow into the man. And the way we do that is by becoming mature in God's love. So that's what we're going to do. We're gonna talk about your inner man defeating your inner boy, what the Bible says about that and what the key to it is. And the first key is we have to understand that maturity in God's love is a battle of ways. Write that down. Maturity in God's love because that's, that's, that's what changes us from the inside out and calls us to maturity. Maturity in God's love is a battle of ways, all right? On your notes, it has a verse from 1 Corinthians 13, 11, and this verse is going to kick us off on this journey into maturity. It says this, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So the Bible says that a relationship with God, uh, once begun, turns into an exchange of ways, all right? A way of being, a way of believing, and a way of behaving. It's this process of you growing mature on the inside. Now, just to give you a little bit of context, I watched a YouTube video called Toddler Tantrum After Missed Putt. And so you can imagine a toddler on a regulation green with his dad. They're probably out there, you know, in the twilight time. And this kid is lining up a one foot putt. Here's the cup. And as you imagine, he's like standing here and he's got his oversized, you know, club and his little ball. He fully expects to sink this putt, A, because it's a gimme putt, and uh, B, he's a toddler. It's all supposed to work out for him. So there's his expectation, but then here's what happens. The ball starts heading toward the cup, and it, and it lips out, and then you just watch this process go on, this dis dismay. It's, it's this brain, body, in neuroscience, they call it a stress response, and that's where your amygdala uh, sends a distress signal to your sympathetic nervous system and your hypothalamus, and that activates your adrenal glands, which pump epinephrine into your body. And this is all happening in a toddler in 1.5 seconds. And what follows is a sustained physical and emotional reaction that is better known to all of us as a temper tantrum. Now, this kid's temper tantrum was so good, he got four million views in 24 hours. I mean, he jumped up and down, he flopped on the ground, he moved his hand, he screamed, he, he made his body uh, rigid. And it's, it's really, you know, it's cute. You would expect that. They don't call them the terrible twos uh, for nothing. But, you know, we all kind of think, yeah, he's going to grow up out of that. He's going to He's gonna grow up out of that emotionally on the inside. He's gonna grow out of it. He's gonna become a man, right? The world hopes so, right? The world hopes that he doesn't bring that kind of inner maturity to his adult life. And what we're saying here, when we talk about maturity and God's love being a battle of ways, 
how we talk, how we think, how we reason, and putting the ways of childhood behind us, we all know that um, when you have uh, man-size outsides, in other words, you know, you're older physically, you have more responsibilities professionally or, or, or relationally, your man-size outsides with boy-side insides is a recipe for disaster. In other words, you won't have the character to meet the demands of your man-size realities, whether that's a relationship with a woman, whether that's job pressure and job responsibility, um, whether that's your commitment to your family and to your kids and so forth. You gotta be grown up on the inside to match your outside. So that's the first thing we have to recognize is that maturity in God's love is a battle of ways. Secondly, we gotta recognize that maturity in God's love requires living in God's acceptance. Now see, remember in the introduction to today's session, I talked about how you can secure real peace and worth and acceptance from God, which is permanent, and that permanent acceptance gives you rest. And you can live in God's acceptance and love and live out of God's acceptance and love, and you can maintain peace or not, right? And look at what it says here in the Bible in Romans chapter 8, verses 30 and 31 about living in God's acceptance. It says this, having chosen them, right, God choosing us, he called them to come to him. And having called them, listen, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them glory. Hello. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Boy, there is a picture of right standing with God, full acceptance by God, God giving us his glory, all right? That ends the search for significance when God himself gives you his glory and you're in a right standing with the maker of heaven and earth. And Paul says, what can we say about such wonderful things, all right? Being accepted by God is a wonderful, wonderful thing. In fact, let's say that together. Being accepted by God is a wonderful thing. Is a wonderful thing, right? If God's for you, who can be against you? Man, that is the acceptance that we all want. You see, when God accepts you, um, you can stop living for man's acceptance and being significant before men, and you can start living in and out of ultimate, permanent acceptance. Man's acceptance is not permanent. It's fleeting, right? After a while, people stop clapping, all right? After a while, people stop loving you. Why? Because they're self-absorbed and they're searching for the scarce significance and acceptance out there too if they don't know God's acceptance. But hey, man of God, if you have God's acceptance, that's the most wonderful thing in the whole wide world. You can stop chasing it. it the Bible says in Romans 8, you got right standing uh, with God, and he's given you his glory. You can't get any better than that, all right? You have a right standing with God, and you have his glory. So the spiritual battle, then, is to see that, internalize that, recognize that, and stop getting ripped off by worldly stuff and worldly acceptance and acceptance by other men it's fleeting it might come for a little bit but it's always going to go away and choose the glory of god that he has given you through relationship with christ all right third if you're gonna defeat the inner boy you got to recognize that maturity in god's love wins us the strongest intimacy all right it's a battle of ways, requires living in God's acceptance, and then it wins the strongest intimacy. And, and Jesus talked about this directly right before he was going to go to the cross because they were going to have to know after he died, rose again, and was ascended that, that they, 
they had the best motivation in the world and the strongest bond with him. Look at what Jesus says to the disciples. And he says to us this morning, just take these words as a living word directly from Jesus Christ to you right now. Here we go. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So what is Jesus saying to us right now in this space and in this moment? He's saying, you know, my, my sacrifice for you is designed and I'm hoping it wins intimacy with you. My sacrifice for you is designed to win intimacy with you. And that intimacy creates energy for our relationship. You notice that when he says, I can't love you any more than this, than to give my life for you, because you're my friend. And then he transitions it and he says, you're my friends if you do what I command. You know, you see, if you want intimacy in any relationship, right, if you really want to communicate that you love someone and you want to win emotional intimacy, sacrifice for them. Sacrifice is the primary language of intimacy. Jesus says it. We know it when we see it, right? For anyone, when we see them sacrificing for us, man, we get close to that person. We, 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 are, we will win real trust, real uh, confidence, real closeness with that person. And that's what we got to understand. We got to recognize that maturity in God's love wins the strongest intimacy. Okay, look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses uh, 10 and 11, about how sacrifice and sacrificial love communicates. It says this, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory. All right, there's that significance thing again. Jesus brought us our significance. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation, Jesus, perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy, Jesus, and those who are made holy, us, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. Do you see the intimacy there? Do you see how the path to our significance and being given the glory of God came through a man, the pioneer of our salvation, who was made perfect through what he suffered. And it bonds us. And then it says, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Now, we are of the same family, spiritually, through Christ, but we're also of the family, listen, of suffering. So, you know, maturity, uh, wins the strongest intimacy. That's true in our relationship with God and what Jesus did and what God models for us, listen to me, is meant for us. Do you want to get close to someone? You want to get close to your wife? You want to get close to kids? Stop talking. Start sacrificing. Say no to yourself. Say yes to them. And just know that that is the secret to winning intimacy. And you know what it shows? It shows that you're maturing shows when you can sacrifice. So maturity in God's love wins the strongest intimacy, all right? Fourth, uh, if we're going to defeat the inner boy, we got to recognize that maturity in God's love completes my masculinity. So in the Bible, there's this picture about how, you know, just think about it. We're all on one team and we're all advancing, you know, God's agenda. It's kind of like a football team moving its way down the field and we got to execute together. So keep that picture in your mind as I read Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. It says this, he, God, handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher to train 
Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son. Wow. Fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive, like Christ. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are an easy mark for imposters. God wants to grow us up to know the whole truth and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. Right? Do you see the end game? Healthy in God, robust or powerful in love. All right? Say that with me. Healthy in God, powerful in love. That's a mature person. All right? That is a mature person. And there's a couple of things that this passage points out, all right, that I want us to note. All right? Number 1, this passage points out that maturity is about you because you're an individual uh, who needs to grow up on the inside, defeat the inner boy, right? But your inner journey, it's bigger than you, all right? The body of Christ needs you mature. Just like a blocking tight end on an offense has to be fully developed in his knowledge of the scheme, offensive scheme that they're running, has to have his assignment, you know, he can't be lazy, he's got to be mature, he's got to be on it. Why? Because the team depends on his football maturity, right? Can I just tell you something? As you're listening to this, God is saying to every man that is watching this that your spiritual, inner, emotional maturity is mission critical for the body of Christ to move God's agenda forward. That's why we're doing this series. So your inner journey, your inner maturity, the things that you have to change and, and on the inside and the ways you need to grow up, that's about you, but it's way bigger than you because there's a team that you're on. It's called the church, the body of Christ, and that team needs your spiritual and kingdom maturity to go up so that we can execute God's agenda here on earth. Man, that is a huge, huge truth God wants to say to us this morning. And that puts into context your inner journey and your inner maturity. It's way, way bigger uh, than you. The second thing is, is that there's no such thing as one-dimensional Christianity. You notice in the passage, it talks about, you want to be fully alive in Christ? You got to be fully developed within, and you have to be fully developed without. Here's the problem. Most Christian men are like icebergs. You only see the tip. So you, you see their image, you might hear some words, you might see them at church, but their private inner maturity, you don't see, all right? And so if there's a disconnect between their outward image and their inner immaturity, you're not, he's not fully alive in Christ. You want to be fully alive in Christ? You got to be fully developed on the inside and leave the ways of childhood behind, grow up and become like Christ on the inner man and have full development on the outside, all right? I love this passage. So we got to recognize that maturity and God's love, man, that completes my masculinity inside and outside. All right, let's look at the fifth thing we have to recognize, all right? Inner man, again, inner man defeating inner boy. We got to recognize that maturity in God's love helps me embrace adversity. Remember my little toddler temper tantrum after Miss Putt story? So things didn't work out the way the little Arnold Palmer wanted. And, um, you know, in life, Jesus promised that things aren't going to work out your way uh, the way you want it. In fact, he says that life is like uh, a bowling alley 
Uh, we set up all the pins, it's all perfectly organized, and we expect for them to stay that way. And then life is the metaphor, uh, metaphorical bowling ball, which just, I mean, just, just think about 2020. Wow, there's a bowling ball. We, no one could have ever uh, predicted some of the things uh, that were happening. But here's how maturity in God's love works, all right? God is not closer to us when everything's going great for us, and he's not further away from us when things aren't going great for us. He's there when things are super great. He's there when things are super bad. He was there at the super bad crucifixion of Jesus, and he was there at the super great resurrection of Jesus, and he's with Jesus now. The myth is that adversity is a signal somehow of God's lack of presence or blessing. That's a lie, right? Because God was very present when things weren't going well from the outside perspective when Jesus was being tortured. But was God there? Was God working? 100%. He was saving us. He was redeeming us. He was justifying us, the Bible says. All in that terrible in injustice, right? And so when you are mature in God's love, right? It helps you embrace uh, adversity. And that's really the thrust behind one of all of our favorite passages of the scripture, right? All of us love Romans 8, 28. Let's read it together, right? And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them, all right? So we know uh, because we're mature in God's love, because we are mature in our understanding of God's love, that whether it's adversity or prosperity, that doesn't impact God's love for us and God causing everything to work together. So we have a different level of uh, perspective toward circumstances, all right? If our circumstances change, we might kind of get emotional and say, ah, that's a bummer, it sucks. Relentless circumstances suck relentlessly. However, for the believer, we're not in despair, why? Because we know that if God can redeem the torture and death of his son, God can redeem whatever circumstances that we are in, all right? Talks about, you know, Jesus loved to talk about how he is over what happens. And in this passage in John 10 on your notes, it is a declarative statement about how he has command over the injustice that's about to happen to him, it's a powerful statement. He says this, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, I have command over the incredible, confusing, disillusioning injustice that is about to happen. And this injustice will actually be turned around and it will serve my father's purposes. It's gonna look upside down, but something beautiful, something transcendent, and something eternally redemptive is going to come about. Why? Because the father loves the son and because the father loves us. And because Jesus knew that, he could approach what was about to happen inwardly grown up and with that perspective. Can you imagine if that's how we thought? Where we knew because of God's love and because we've seen it in operation and because we've seen it work in the most unworkable way through the gospel and through the death of Jesus, that we walk into any situation and we're actually living in and living out of emotionally Romans 8.28 as a truth, not a platitude where we have the attitude of Christ that says, no, nothing can touch me unless it gets to me, unless God says it's going to get to me. And if God allows it to get to me, uh, then there must be some hidden, mysterious reason, which I may not understand at the moment, but it's sent from heaven. You know, God's sovereign. God loves me. God's able. So if it's happening, there's a reason behind it. Can you imagine living like that? That's what a mature God's man thinks like. All right. Now let's look lastly. How are we going to defeat inner boy and win inner man? 
we got to recognize that maturity in God's love gains me the deeper victories. And this is where I want to camp for just the end here. Um, there's some deeper victories that God wants us to win through the power of Christ's Spirit. We begin a relationship with God, and the Bible says in Galatians 4, 6, that God pours the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. And then this work, this inner transformation is supposed to begin as we work with God's love and we start changing our ways, we start living in God's acceptance, we start recognizing the, the strong intimacy that Jesus' sacrifice has created, our masculinity starts getting completed and we're not just an image, but we're actually a substantive reality on the inner man. And then the Holy Spirit starts creating stuff happening inside of us. It says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Here is the coolest thing about what God has said here in his word, is that the Holy Spirit, through your inner man, wants to produce love that takes away shame, peace that takes away anxiety over your worth, give you patience when you want to do something impulsively, gives you kindness when you are hard or harsh on the inside, that gives you goodness, right, instead of bitterness, that gives you self-control and faithfulness over impulse and unfaithfulness. You see, knowing Jesus is a process of replacement. Old you is out, new you is in. The chump is out, the champ is in. The flesh is out, the spirit is in. And the spirit is getting to work, bringing about maturity inside of you. And maturity looks like you're winning some deeper victories. Your anxiety goes down, your bitterness goes down, your despair over things you can't control goes down. Your impulse and lack of self-control goes down. Your impatience, your irritation over your impatience that frustrates you and others goes down. Your selfishness and indifference goes down. Your harshness and hardness goes down. Your unfaithfulness and unreliability goes down. You know what that's a picture of? Someone becoming more mature and less immature. The fruit of the Spirit in your life is a, is a beautiful picture of maturity. So let me ask you a question. It's right there on your notes. Where are you on God's maturity scale? That last section is a good marker. Write this down. Deep maturity in your inner man, where inner boy is defeated by inner man, deep maturity comes from being deeply loved. And that's the point we are pounding home. Part one, part two, and now in part three. You want to be mature? You got to stop searching for significance and worth and acceptance and love out there in the devil's dysfunctional, cultural, masculinity version. And you need to discover the deep, pervasive, inwardly game-changing love of Jesus. And you know that you have one and you lack the other when you're experiencing 
either peace or anxiety. If I'm experiencing anxiety all the time and I'm restless all the time and I'm, I'm never, I never feel quite good enough or like I've arrived, that's a good sign that you're in the devil's dysfunctional cultural path of significance and worth. On the other hand, if you experience a lot of peace in your life and the fight is over as far as you chasing acceptance out here in the world and you have rest, that's a good sign you're in God's path. But deep maturity comes from being deeply loved. Look what it says in Romans 12, verses 9 and 10 about the man who is deeply loved. Love from the center of who you are. Where from? The center of who you are. And don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Wow, what a picture, right? I can love deeply because I'm deeply loved. I can rest in the storm because I'm deeply loved. I can say no to myself and say yes to others because I'm, I'm okay. I'm deeply loved. I'm not chasing anymore. Uh, I can serve others meaningfully. You know, I can, I can play second fiddle. I don't have to be first anymore. I don't have to compete with you for attention or visibility or resources because I know God and he loves me. And that's changed me from the inside out. What it says here from 2 Corinthians, uh, last verse on your notes says, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. All that you do must be done in love. Wow, there's a picture of a guy who is aware, secure, and mature, all right? A man, all right? Say those three words with me. Aware, secure, and mature. He's aware of God's love. He's secure in God's love. He's mature in God's love, right? He's standing firm. He's acting like a man. What does that mean? It means that he can say no to himself and say yes to showing love, right, for God and others with increasing frequency. Circle, act like men, all that you do, love, right? That's a real man. A real man can say no to himself, say yes to others. Why? Because he's aware, secure, and mature in his own significance and acceptance and love by God. Wow. You know what the world needs? More men like that. All right, who can say no to themselves and say yes to loving God and other people because they have peace on the inside, they, because they have the love of God operating on the inside, and because they have the love of God operating on the inside, they're becoming mature in that love. They embrace in adversity. They're getting healed and winning deep victories. Their masculinity is being completed. They have the strongest intimacy with Christ possible, that strong connection, and they are living in God's acceptance and out of God's acceptance. And that is my prayer for every single one of you who are with us right now on this global live stream. In fact, God wants me to, to pray a prayer of a blessing over you and of inner transformation on you. So if you're ready to receive that, I want you to bow your heads. You might even want to get into a posture where your hands are are up like this, just as a physical sign of your inner man who's ready to receive from God right now. So let's just make this prayer a collective one for ourselves. And just in your heart, or maybe even out loud, wherever you are. Some of you are in coffee shops. Some of you are on a run. You might need to stop. Some of you are on a walk. You might need to stop. And you just need to say this to God. God, I see and recognize the love of Christ and how you love me. I see and recognize your sacrifice for me. It is shocking to me on the inside that you would do that, that you would go through that, that you would experience that for me. And I want you to know in this moment, right where I'm standing or sitting, that your sacrifice has convinced me 
of your love. Your sacrifice has committed me to your purposes. And Lord, more than anything, I want your sacrifice and your love to control me in every dimension of my life. Help me defeat the inner boy. Help me win the battle of ways. Help me win the battle for identity in Christ. That that would fully define who I am in every dimension of my life. Lord, complete me as a man. Help me win intimacy with you because of your sacrifice and with others as I sacrifice for them. Help me to win a full maturity. Help me live in and live out of your love because I want those deep victories. And some of you right now, you're you're recognizing and sensing the presence of the Holy Spirit And shame is leaving you right now, and it's being replaced by love. There are some of you, you are living anxiously. Some of you have panic attacks. Some of you take medicine, all right? And God's slowly beginning to work right now from your head right through your heart and in your chest and in your lungs. And that anxiety that you feel inside, his love is replacing that with peace. There are some of you who are bitter and there are cracks now in the foundation of that bitterness and God's kindness toward you is flowing in you and on you and that bitterness is being overcome by kindness. There are some of you who are depressed and in despair because some things have happened to you that you can't control. You didn't ask for them, but God is saying to you that He loves you. He is in these things, and there's a new chapter on the other side of these things, and you can rest and believe that. Start believing that. Start believing Christ. Start believing in God's purpose in the middle of everything. God has a next chapter for you. And there are some of you where you have been unfaithful. Some men listening to me right now have been unfaithful in their minds to their wives. You've not been trustworthy. There is doubt in a relationship. God, through his spirit, has gotten a hold of you on the inside right now. And you now are going to act with discipline and self-control and power. Because you don't need that cheap stuff. Because you are deeply loved and you're going to become deeply mature. God, help us to be on the alert. Help us to stand firm in our faith today. Help us to act like men and help us that in all that we do, that it would be characterized by love. Love for you and love for others. In Jesus' name I pray and God's men said, amen. God is doing a powerful work right now in the hearts and lives of many men. And God wants to do a powerful work in you. That's why we're here. Tell your friends. Get them into this global live stream, a global movement of men who are transformed on the inside out and that are empowered by the Holy Spirit of God is breaking out all over the world. And so we need to collect ourselves on a weekly basis here, talk to one another, get into God's word and encourage each other, all right? And I'm gonna be praying for you this week and I'll see you next Thursday. God bless.